0: Hi, this is comedian Christian Finnegan, and you, my friend, are listening to PS Tape Recorder. You are listening, aren't you? You don't just kind of have it on in the background while you're vacuuming. Hello? Hello? There. I'm Pia, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, we talked to a stand up comedian originally from Dayton, Ohio, now living in Los Angeles. It's a friend of a friend of the show,
1: Salim. Especially in Los Angeles, I would say, this, and New York, there are a lot of people who say that they're stand up comics, and they're not. They're just actors who figure out that uh, they can get a little bit of time. Because if you're an actor, versus if, if you're an actor, once your comic's been preparing, you very rarely actually get to actually perform. You prepare, you rehearse, you prepare, you rehearse and the actual performance
0: come. We'll hear more from Saleem in just a few minutes. Also, the IRS has you under surveillance. Well, at least that's what stupid people think. But first, as always, fake news. And now fake news with me. Arizona Cardinals season ticket holder John Coulter said he asked his 15-year-old son to hold his beer cup while he took a picture of the field. Seconds later, two undercover officers with the Arizona Department of Liquor Licenses and Control approached him. Coulter says they told him that he, what he did was illegal and that he could be arrested for it. In the end, officers escorted the father and son out of the University of Phoenix Stadium. Now, if he would have asked his son to hold his gun, well, that probably would have been okay. Remember, this is the state where if you turn in a gun to the police and say you don't want it anymore, uh, uh, presuming they'll destroy it, (laughs) they have to give it to a gun dealer who has to resell it. Isn't that great? Love Arizona. Famed crime novelist Elmore Leonard died Tuesday morning at his home in Bloomfield Village, Michigan. He was 87. There are no suspects. MTV's Music Awards were held Sunday night. Past shows have brought us amazing moments like Kanye West's anti-Taylor Swift tirade, Lil' Kim's sparkly pasty, Lady Ga- isn't that like a, um, a meat pie? She, she brought a sparkling pasty for everybody to enjoy. Lady Gaga's meat dress. Speaking of, and Beyonce's big baby bump reveal. Now the most interesting thing about the Music Awards there on MTV is that it's the only time you actually get to see videos on MTV. Finally, we get to see little North West as promised. The two-month-old daughter of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian was introduced to the world via her grandmother Kris Jenner's Twitter account Friday morning. Kardashian followed her mother's lead, posting her own photo of the baby on Instagram with the caption, North. Immediately after the picture was snapped, North punched Kim. Though the house brand at Whole Foods is called 365 Everyday Value, many consumers say they'd go broke if they shopped at the upscale natural foods chain 24-7. The Austin, Texas-based chain offers a menagerie of organic, gourmet, and artisanal food products and is battling the public perception that has led to the store's nickname, Whole Paycheck. The store plans to announce nationwide flash sales on items through social media providing discounts for a few hours on certain items. The chain also plans to increase its one-day sales on items like salmon and chicken and offer 0% financing or 12 months' same as cash on your grocery bill. During New York, Mayor Michael Bloomberg's radio program Friday, a caller asked him to impart some personal tips for success. Bloomberg also said it's wise to work as hard as possible, all the time, even if that means skimping on lunch and bathroom breaks. Bloomberg has given similar advice in the past. As New York Magazine's Dan Amiro points out, back in 2011, he took an even stronger anti-bathroom stance, saying, don't ever take a lunch break or go to the bathroom, you keep working. So maybe that's why he wanted to outlaw the 32-ounce beverages. Hmm. During a roundtable discussion, several business executives told Republican lawmakers that they can't find enough Americans willing to cook fajitas, repair sidewalks, and perform other types of unglamorous work that keeps the fourth largest U.S. city, Houston, humming. A more robust guest worker program would help, they said. As lawmakers returned to their home districts in the last weeks of summer... Hundreds of U.S. businesses have quietly mobilized to persuade Republicans that an immigration overhaul is broadly supported by their constituents, even if some conservative activists loudly object. It's a tricky balance. If you want a well-staffed restaurant that pays crappy wages, you may have to let some non-white folks live in your town. President Barack Obama's two-day education roadshow pressed on this Friday, his armored bus weaving through picturesque central New York, where he surprised high school soccer teams practicing for the upcoming season. Obama used a drop-by at Tully Central High School to make a direct pitch to students for his plans to tackle college affordability. Hmm, I wonder how he sold that. I want to make college more affordable for you, kids. Tough crowd. Boy, I, I, I hope they supported him in that. And finally, the National Security Agency said Friday that some of its analysts knowingly and deliberately exceeded its surveillance authority on occasion over the past decade and that those involved were disciplined. Very rare instances of willful violations of NSA's authorities have been found, the agency said in a statement. Two U.S. officials said that one analyst was disciplined in years past for using NSA resources to track a former spouse. The officials spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly. Hope nobody was listening. And that's been Fake News with me. Apparently they're still trying to keep the uh, IRS scandal, and I'm making those hideous little air quotes with my fingers right now, uh, alive. and But I didn't realize until I was watching a football game on Saturday night. The Browns were uh, battling the Indianapolis Colts, and the TV station in Dayton was kind enough to show the game on their HD channel. Yay, W-H-I-O Dayton, now my favorite TV station. Anyway, I saw this hilarious a commercial put together by the Tea Party folks uh, about the evils of the IRS. Now, first, let me start by saying, hey, look, nobody likes the IRS, um, you know, we need to pay taxes, but, you know, they can just really, really loves the idea, having to pay any more than they have to. And uh, in years past, I mean, years, 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 years ago, like the 70s and 80s, you know, the IRS was, was noted for if they thought you owed taxes, they thought they were kind of above the law and could do, uh, you know, a lot of really uh, awful stuff to you if they thought that you owed them, you know, whether it was accurate or not. So anyway, with that in mind, uh, they they have this commercial called Reform the IRS, and they have a couple of them, but I I, I thought this one was the most hilarious. Now, Reform the IRS, never a bad idea to have oversight over a big government agency. I'm right there with you, but uh, (laughs) take a listen to this. The Internal Revenue Service has admitted they're targeting Americans. Okay, first of all, they're showing this really huge computerized war room with computer monitors. I don't know if you've ever been to the IRS before. Uh, they have, of course, the big uh, processing center in Cincinnati where the where the scandal, again, air quotes, uh, erupted. There's also a processing center across the river in Covington where I once applied for a job. And I can assure you, it looks nothing like this. It looks pretty much like it did in the 1960s, only with maybe some computers from the 90s sitting there. Okay. So here we go. Pull that one. That's right. The IRS targeting Americans Pull for their them. political beliefs. To- okay. Now, what they've cleverly done here is they've taken the NSA uh, scandal, which is much more of a scandal, by the way. They've taken the NSA scandal uh, with them listening in uh, on people's conversations and and tracking emails and things like that, and they've welded it to the IRS thing, hoping stupid people will put it together in their heads that, hey, the IRS is listening to my phone calls and watching me too. Even attacking our freedom of religion. Oh, there it is. Attacking the freedom of religion. Okay specifically asked from the IRS, quote, please detail the content of the members
1: of your organization's prayers.
0: Okay. The reason they're asking that is because these people have asked the IRS, hey, we don't want to pay taxes. And and here's why. And so the agency in charge of collecting taxes wants to know why you don't want to pay taxes. Hmm. <laughs> That's so strange. Prayer is personal. What's she praying about? And protected. There's a little girl praying in her bed, and they've stuck a camera in her room, and this uh, bald-headed guy with a head mic on is going, what, what, is, what is she praying about?
2: Thank God. Bless
0: America. And when he, she says God, he looks really upset about it. Reform the IRS now. The in- okay, so you'd think that if they were trying to really get people to reform the IRS, and, and not have some other kind of hidden agenda, they would play you, I don't know, something like this.
1: It turns out that the IRS was targeting liberal groups, using the term progressive.
0: That's CNN chief congressional correspondent, Dana Bash, talking to Wolf Blitzer in the situational room in there. And uh, of course, if they did that, if they played something like that, they'd be like, hey, you know, they're out to get everybody. We've got to really get some oversight over these guys. You know, maybe not, maybe not a bad idea. But unfortunately, if they say that, Progressive groups are also targeted. It completely runs in reverse of their whole notion and their whole narrative that hey, Obama is out to get uh, conservatives and people who pray, and he's using the IRS to do it. Then the whole thing just completely falls apart. Now I managed to dig up a a version of the reform the IRS spot you just heard with with an alternate ending, which I thought was uh, was kind of interesting. And uh, we'll we'll play it for you right now. We're going to pick it up from uh, the spot where they see the little girl praying in her bedroom.
2: Personal. What's she praying about? And protected. Turn it please don't let the Republicans keep control of the House in 2014. And please, 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 God, don't let one of those GOP nuts like Tom Cruise or Rand Paul become president of 2016.
0: Reform the IRS now. Salim is a stand-up comic originally from Dayton, Ohio, and he's a good friend of our friend, Jim Lugers, now of Indianapolis, Indiana. And Salim was kind enough to take some time out from his busy, busy schedule to chat with us. Here's our talk with Salim. Okay, joining us on P.S. Tape Recorder, it's a friend of a friend of the uh, podcast. It's Salim. Salim. How you doing, Salim?
1: I'm doing very well, Pierre. Uh,
0: Salim is a friend of Big Jim Lugers and has been on the Big Pretty Podcast uh, often. Uh, let's start there. How did you get mixed up with Jim Lugers?
1: Well, I've known Big Jim Lugers before he was big, <laughs> uh, when he was just Jim Lugers. Yes, I, and, I, uh, I, I did, still too. living in back in Ohio. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, we've known each other for some time. I know him as a writer and uh, and a performer way, way back in the day when we first started doing comedy. And then uh, we kind of uh, you know did our things in life, and then reconnected. Cool. So man. Uh, over the last uh, four or five years, we've reconnected.
0: I used to work with Jim at a record store back in Fairfield back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Pushing out the vinyl, huh?
0: Yeah, Sam Goody.
1: Okay, Sam Goody. I was never a Sam Goody guy. I was always I always got my stuff down at the Omega. There you go. I was, a, I, was a, I was an indie guy.
0: Right. Well, sometimes you got to go with the man, though, and the man's. Dishing out the lettuce. Uh,
1: so you're the from man, the man. The man generally pays a lot better than the, the Indian guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> and the indie guys usually don't don't have don't have much help. But um, so you're uh, from Dayton originally.
1: I'm originally Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah
0: born in I, I like Dayton. A lot of people think I'm kidding when I say that, but I I always met the nicest. Really going back to college, even the nicest folks at college always seem to be from the greater Dayton area. I don't know what it, what it was, but.
1: But you met them away from Dayton,
0: right? Uh, yes, but I met them in Dayton. We like to go up there shopping a lot from Cincinnati, and uh, it's it's you know it, it's a nice town. Uh, you know, more so the I would say the, the the suburbs and areas like that. But um, it's I, I have no problems with Dayton. All right. Well, uh,
1: I'm going to let the uh, the Chamber of Commerce know that you're uh, a supporter.
0: <laughs> All right. Very good. We'll do a spot for them, we'll do a little promo for them. So let's uh let's mark Marin this thing. Uh how did you start in, in comedy? Were were you like always funny uh growing up and oh. wanted to be a comedian, or did your friend say you should be on a stage somewhere, sir? Oh, uh, how
1: did I get how did I start it then? I'm sorry you I yeah. just, just a little
0: bit. Yeah, how did how did you uh when did you start doing comedy?
1: I was in college. Um and uh, well, before, when I started doing stand I, I I was in college. When I uh, when I discovered I was funny, I was a child.
2: Okay. I, was, uh,
1: I was I was I was born funny. Uh, it was a funny birth. It was a funny delivery, <laughs> and I was brought home in a very funny manner.
0: <laughs> All right. So, r- were you a class clown, or are you one of the more kind of quieter, subtle funny kids? Because there seem to be two types of class clowns I've discovered over the years.
1: Well, I was. The I was the the funny kid who used comedy as the uh, defense mechanism. Okay. So it was it was my way to make it through the uh, hurting process at school. Uh, the uh, everyone had their own little clique to move, and uh, I used funny to move between all the groups without being uh, a part of any of them.
0: Okay. So uh, when you were in college, what were you studying? What was the, what was the career path in college?
1: Oh, at the time in college it was political science. I, oh. I, I, Goals Me. and dreams of changing society, and uh, I went out into the world and realized that I should better, I'd be better off changing myself than trying to change society.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. So um, at, at what point in the college career do you think, well, maybe I should you know, give this stand-up thing a go?
1: Well, what happened was I, uh, my first year of college, I was going to school at Wright State, and uh, I started, uh, I did a, a show down at the Rapskeller in Wright State, and then I did a show at Wiley's and I got bit by the bug, and uh, soon afterwards, it wasn't that very long. Very long afterwards, maybe uh, four or five months after I first time my show, I uh, I figured out that I could make some money doing this. And uh, at the time, there were a lot of opportunities. the Comedy was it wasn't the full boom, but there was still a lot of opportunities. There were two or three clubs in Dayton, there were uh, two clubs in Cincinnati, uh, two clubs in Columbus, two in Indianapolis, you know, a couple in Toledo. So you could. Within two of, you know, four hours, you could go and do shows locally. So I just got kind of bit by the bug and realized that eventually after a year I could I could uh, eat out a living doing that. And I started doing it.
0: Yeah, we had that discussion with Ryan Singer, uh, also a Dayton native, a couple of weeks ago, who said, you know, you can make a pretty nice living in the Midwest being a feature act uh, when you're starting out because there are so many cities Even now, you know, with uh, one or two comedy clubs, at least within driving distance of the kind of Cincinnati, Dayton area.
1: Right. Well, you can you can eat out a living based on what you think is a living at the time that you you know college. Once you kind of (laughs) once you kind of. You grow up a little bit and, and uh, try to put together a life outside of just getting from hotel to hotel with the gas mite. Yeah, and you realize that uh, you have to do a little bit something more to make it happen.
0: Sure. Well, it's a progression. So, uh, where did you go from there? After doing uh, featuring around the area, uh, when did you we feel was like the next big push after that?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I put about um, let's say six years in as a journeyman comic. I was, you know, I had straight jobs at the same time, but I was I was still gigging. And then um, I lived briefly in Cincinnati, um, and uh, from there we moved to Los Angeles. I was married at the time, and uh, we had a child coming, so before the child came, uh, we decided to move before the baby was due to uh, Los Angeles, and uh, we moved out to L.A. And because um, that's where the industry is, you have to go. At the time, you had to go either to L.A. or or, uh, or to York, and right. I chose Los Angeles.
0: Okay, and why did you choose Los Angeles? Did you have interests beyond stand-up? Or is it, was it a thing of... the? Cause a lot of people would say it's just the weather. That was the tiebreaker for them. Or were there other designs?
1: Well, yeah, the uh, the weather... We also had more friends in L.A. than we had. There was a little bit more social connection in, okay. in L.A. than there was New York. And so that's what tipped it uh, towards... Uh, that and the weather absolutely tipped it towards the West
0: Coast. Okay. And uh, so, how have things been working out for you on the West Coast? Um, what, what other vehicles for comedy have you discovered uh, apart from doing your stand-up out there?
1: Well, you know, there's, there's active, acting opportunities, there's, uh you know, uh, commercial opportunities, industrial opportunities, networking opportunities in Los Angeles, um, and that are you know available out of the West Coast. I've had the you know fortunate pleasure to be able to perform on television make appearances on national TV and uh, do small roles in films and uh, commercials. So those opportunities are out there, and they're, they're, they're fun. You learn. It's like a uh, company is a weird business when it comes to the entertainment. It's, it's, it's sort of the stepchild of the business where uh, it's, it's some sort of hybrid between acting and music, the way it's treated. Yeah. And so, so people uh, don't have a, um, not necessarily, they might respect the community they think are at the top, but when you're out there and you're just a comic especially in Los Angeles I will say this and New York there are a lot of people who say that they're stand-up comics and they're not they're just actors who figure out that uh, they can get a little bit of time because if you're an actor versus a comedian if you're an actor most of your time is spent preparing you very rarely actually get to actually perform you prepare you rehearse you prepare you rehearse and the actual performance doesn't come but as a stand-up you actually are performing and that's the advantage that, that comics have over actors is in general uh, they, if they're applying their craft they're actually performing in front of audiences and so uh, a lot of actors in Los Angeles and New York will do that because they'll get in front of an audience one and then they'll they, they use it as a vehicle to get seen you know, through industry talent management uh, producers whatever
0: So there's a, an added skill set there for comedians Absolutely uh, Yeah that's the thing I've heard lately um, from people like Mark Maron and Andy Kindler is that there seems to be kind of this reaction to people that Maybe only do stand-up comedy on occasion or as a sideline, and uh, which in- includes me. I go do the pro-am at go bananas every now and then. And uh, I- I'm loath to call myself a comedian, but I do do stand-up. I'm not trying to encroach anybody's territory. But it's like if I was a singer, I would say, "Well, I sing occasionally, you know." It's I tell jokes occasionally. I don't, you know, but I. But then I kind of feel this reaction back. That's like, well, I'm not really a comedian because I'm not doing it, you know, uh, several times a week, like uh, the rest of the guys well. are. So it's.
1: That has a lot to do with the comics, you know, in general. Comedians who, and there's all sorts of levels. There are hobbyist comedians, there are journeyman comedians, there are a level beyond that, the professional comedians who are just earning their living specifically as a comedian. And then there are the comedians who take it to a level of an art form. I would hope that people understand that, just the same that there are musicians who are hobbyists and garage bands, and then there are folks who are dedicated, and you know, and that doesn't, you know, doesn't slight any of the people at whatever level they are if they're doing the best they can. Um, the major issue with comics is they don't feel because you're alone and because you're in a performance art where you stand up and you're really seeking someone's approval. I mean, that's what it is. You're standing up in front of a group of people. Yes. And you're telling them what you think. Now, the, 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 uh, the way that they respond should be controlled. Hopefully they're laughing or they're listening. But you are actually asking for them to evaluate what you think about whatever it is that you're saying. And so comics will give away a lot of power to other people because they're so into what other people think. And that's the, that's a, you'll stay at a certain level in any art form as long as you are catering just to trying to figure out what it will please an audience as opposed to figure out what it is that you want to say and what you can share and then find people to connect with that. So that happens at every level in every art form and at the highest level of comedy is what it's transcendent when you can say something that's uh, important to you. But also makes people laugh. That's that's the kind of stuff that changes, you know, the dynamic that 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 elevates it from, uh, say, a working or a, a hobbyist or whatever into an actual art form. And I believe comedy is an art form. Oh,
0: definitely. Well, I as like I as I always like to say, I am uh, there. You have a lot of people that are comedians that do podcasts. I'm a podcaster who occasionally does comedy. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody has a podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and some, you know, it's, it's uh, and I'm often, people come to me for advice on it. Of course, I always say, you know, I'll make it about something. You don't have to have a podcast just to have one. But, you know, people, uh, it's just when you think everyone's got got it covered, you know, a, a comedian or somebody comes along with another idea and says, I'm going to do a podcast about this thing and make it funny. And you're like, oh, well, I'm surprised no one thought of that yet.
1: Exactly. As long as you have an idea, there always there will be constantly new ideas that are coming. So you just have to give your own, you know, whatever that idea is, a take. So if you're funny, it's not necessarily, not necessarily enough just to be funny. It is important to, to be funny about something.
0: Yes. Um, so what ultimately would be uh, your big uh, career goal? What it, where, what's the trajectory your comedy is taking? What would you be, like, be the, the ultimate gig, the ultimate career for Saleem.
1: My goal is to, um, is to, uh breakthrough and to a wider audience which is get people to what I'm doing I think that I'm doing something that's a little different than a lot of the mainstream comics that you see and I'm trying to find a vehicle for that I'm not talking about like a, a television vehicle I'm more talking about uh, venues and audiences and vibrations of places that did what I'm doing and I'm really at the point where i just try to look for you know a thousand solid serious fans uh, you know 2,000 solid serious fans uh, because I think that uh, if uh, I can break through to one of these uh, bigger sort of distribution, get seen through them, that it's going to elevate me to where I want to be, which is uh, touring 25 weeks a year in the major, market, the top 25 major markets in the in the uh, in the nation, and then uh, spending another 20 weeks uh, across the world. And I've had success. I've had more success internationally than I've had here in the states. And I and I, and I get it. I dig it.
0: Yeah, I've talked to a lot of guys lately that are like that. Uh, what do you owe that to? Is it just that you, maybe you just connect better with um, the, the overseas mindset, or is it that you're just bringing this American perspective to them in a funny way? What do you owe that to?
1: Uh, it's be, it starts off because comedy is considered a profession in other places. It's not considered first, you know, a, a profession here uh, in the United States. In general, people look at comedy a different way here. They think that anyone can do it. They think that uh, it's, uh, it, artists shouldn't be paid. And comics, you know, don't insist on raising the level of what they can will and won't do. They're, they're willing to, you know, not work as a collective. I am not talking about some sort of union. I'm just talking about talking out loud about what's really going on, you know, what is going on as far as a business as opposed to, you know, just showing up and I'm happy I got it set. And, you know, and uh, you work in a place and you got $5 and the club made 5000 and you don't understand, you know, what happened. Yeah, you know, Someone is coming, you know, you know, no one goes to comedy clubs to see the brick walls. Yet, and that's no disrespect to any comedy clubs, I mean, they're big on the venues. But people come to see funny people. They come to see Louis C.K., they come to see uh, the names, you know, they come to see people that they connect with. And so you have to be that person, uh, and you have to understand that um, uh, you have the power as an artist. It's harder to, to, to take that ground, but you have to insist uh, at some level
0: that your art has some sort of worth. Yep. Uh, well, cool. That's in, I know uh, Jackie Cation, comedian, is a big proponent of that as well, about comics just communicating with each other about what's going on in the business. So helpful advice to those out there listening that are starting off in the comedy business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I totally agree with Jackie Cation in, in most every single thing. She's a very funny lady and a good friend. Cool. All right, sir.
0: Well, thanks for taking the time today. This will be in print and online in City Beat the week you're in Cincinnati. The podcast will drop a week from Sunday. And I uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Pete. All
0: right. All the oh, thanks, Salim. Thank you. Thanks again to Salim for being on the show. You can catch Salim September 6th and 7th in Park City, Utah. For all things Salim, including more appearances, you can head to SalimComedy.com. So, kids, would you you like to hear a song? Well, a friend of the show, Andy Hawk, off of Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings, uh, last week sent me a picture of the Beach Boys, an autographed picture of the Beach Boys. Well, of parts of the Beach Boys. Uh, You may know that since their Big 50th reunion tour, they have now split back into two different camps. Uh, Mike Love and Bruce Johnston going on as the Beach Boys, And then Brian Wilson going on with David Marks and Al Jardine as Brian Wilson uh, and touring that way. So anyway, uh, Andy Hawk saw them, did a meet and greet, and uh, got me an autographed picture of Brian Wilson, David Marks, and Al Jardine. And uh, I'm not sure if Paola is a thing in the podcasting business, but um, hey, that worked for me. So uh, we're going to play a tune from Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. This is... um, this is off a CD, sort of, kind of, maybe, and with this CD, you get a bonus disc, and we're going to hear a track from the bonus disc. Um, I was kind of listening around and thinking, you know, usually I play the, the poppy stuff or the, you know, the, the fast rockers or things like that, but uh, I'm going to play a song called From the Word Go, a little bluesy for you. I thought I'd broaden all of our horizons here. So here we are with uh, Andy Hawk and the train wreck Endings, From the Word Go, on PS Tape Recorder.
2: Never think that anything could go so wrong. I blame myself for things From a wave goodbye Under my breath I can't help say From a wave goodbye I turn to say hello But she'd found another puppet Too much We come and go just like we're picked.
0: Hawk and the train wreck endings from the word go. Isn't that nice? As always, you can find everything. Andy Hawk and the Train Rick Endings at andyhawk.com. And you can find upcoming shows, how to buy uh, CDs and all that fun stuff as well. Uh, That's about all the time we have for today here on the tape recorder. Just want to remind you to uh, go check out our friends over at Ross Rants. Kind of an Onion-esque fake news website. Very funny stuff. Check out The Big Pretty. That's the podcast hosted by our friend Jim Lugers. And I'm going to go through the credits here real quick for you. PF tape recorder logo, of course, designed by Dan Coble. Dan and Logan's podcast, Magic Potion. Available in iTunes, you can search for it there. Uh, Original music for PS tape recorder, composed by John Varopoulos, with a little help from me. Performed by John Varopoulos and Doug O'Connor, with a little help from me. Let me see, like us on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at PF66. Uh, That is all the business we have at hand for this week. Other than to say, so long and thanks for listening.